0: Well, hello, and welcome again to the iHealth channel and iHealth Radio, uh, another show, another guest. Uh, Today, we're going back to uh, the age factor, and uh, we're going to be discussing a little bit about careers. And uh, I know in a previous show, we've talked about uh, careers in the insurance insurance world, and we talked about brokerage and how to become a broker, how to get licensed so on and so forth that today we have a specialist you know in in the in, in a different world um, but career development in general and uh, specifically we're going to discuss Plus, potentially we'll discuss more opportunities based on uh, the experience we have Zach Bellinger and he's from Georgia and he is actually going to talk to us a little bit more about you know different paths uh, that we can take I mean a lot of a lot of us you know kind of sometimes wind up not sure where we want to be and you um, you know, sometimes guidance is important. Um, I think Zach also works uh, as a consultant with, with LinkedIn, and you know, does different things to help folks uh, besides his regular job. Will tell, he'll tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, he's also a writer and an author of a couple of books, and we'll talk about those in a minute. So, with you know uh, that introductions, um, Zach, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on my show, your show. My Look pleasure. forward to
0: it. Yep, uh, my pleasure. So, Zach. Tell us a little bit about your, your background in general. I mean, I try to do it. and uh, I never do justice, you know, more than the actual guests themselves. So,
1: uh. yeah, I have an interesting one. So I went to, as you can tell by the shirt, I went to the University of Tennessee, uh, actually finished my degree a little bit early. I finished in three years and I wanted to be in sales because really that's all the jobs that I kind of knew. And I knew I didn't like accounting or finance. Never knew what I really wanted to do, but I thought, you know, let let me go into pharmaceuticals, make the most money. And so I got out of college. I had a year experience in a business to business sales role. And then it took me about 250 job interviews with over 50 companies before I landed my very first opportunity in pharmaceutical sales. And that took me about a year. And then after that, I spent about uh, 13 years in that Industry. And then I recently, about four years ago, took a job promotion where I'm in marketing with a pharmaceutical company. And I do uh, what they call field based marketing. So a little bit of everything when you're talking about um, pharmaceutical marketing, you're talking about speaker programs, um, advisory boards, consultancy agreements, uh, medical conferences, what kind of sponsorships your company wants to do there. So, and that typical in that genre
0: okay wow well so you it's, it's funny you talked about the college and stuff and you know i i have a lot of friends personally that when and usually in high school it starts at high school people try to figure out a way you know like what am i going to be major in what kind of college i want to go to what kind of program i want to get in and of course everybody there's the parents views there's your views there's your friends views and you get all in the mix and then you have all these applications you submit all over the place, and hopefully you'll get a few, and then you get to pick. But then what I've realized, and in and, and, and my career, I've been in the insurance world for a long time, and I've met a lot of people, and a lot of them, you know, would, would literally swear that whatever they studied is not what they're doing, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they wind up in a, a whole different path. And it's very rare where you find someone started something and finished it in the same, you know, career path. Um, like my best friend started an account, studied accounting, and he became, you know. Uh, he went into sales world and insurance world with make, uh, you know, so, so it's kind of funny. But, but really, it is, it is a very big um, topic where people need to realize, like, well, what I, where do I go? How do I do this? Is there a way to think about it? Is there a process that, that can help with that decision making? I mean, there is, obviously. Uh, maybe you can give us some guidance on that. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see. What, 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 what do you have? What do you have with that?
1: Yeah, I've gotten to talk on colleges across the world, and what I've been consistent about is a simple message, and it seems so simple, but for college students, let's say you're a senior in high school or you're a freshman right now, really the key is is to get plugged in your career services center on campus. Each college has one of these type buildings or services, and what they do is it's a great place to network. And to get your foot in the door and then you start taking personality profile tests and then you start working with career coaches because guess what those people that work in there are actually certified career coaches and so for people that are 40 or 50 years old out there they hire career coaches career coaches cost about 150 dollars per hour and usually require at least six sessions so if you think about it that's quite a bit of money well college students that's included in your tuition So why not get plugged into those? And also, Hurricane, think about this. When employers want to hire students, where's the first place they're going to go to on a campus? They're going to go to the Career Service Center. And so they have relationships with a lot of those companies that come through there. So your job as a freshman is continually keeping engaged with the career centers. Take your mock interview when you go there discuss, do a career pathway, do a career assessment. A lot of times you can weed out particular careers that you're not good at. For example, I'm not very good on the analytics side. So a financing role or maybe an accounting role wouldn't be great for me, but I do like presenting and speaking and training. And so maybe they can align different careers to based on my personality and my strengths. And that is what I believe the key is people need to do when say enter college. Very
0: nice. Again, I mean, that is, that is important and, and definitely uh, thank you for, for that clarification. And some people may know about it. I mean, I'm not sure that a lot of people know that you can have one that you can recruit and, and, and help you and guide you in maybe a, a career change. And, and that's that a lot of people also do that. They start in the path. Uh, it's a dead end. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And then you'll find yourself in a whole different world. And, um, you know, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But just before that, I know you talked about marketing and you talked about a different aspect of marketing uh, because uh, I've had a couple of shows and we talked about marketing and sales in general, uh, events, marketing, and and, and we've talked about digital marketing. But you've talked about a whole different approach in the pharma world about what you do on a day to day, uh, I guess, basis. Um, Can you just explain a little bit more about that? So, for example, you know, um, I'm a pharma company and I'd like you know, to, to set up, you know, I guess, uh, my, my, my products around a certain, you know, marketplace. How does that work? I mean, what is your role in that game?
1: Yeah, I think the difference between a lot of other companies is pharmaceuticals is highly regulated. So you think about it, there's a lot of regulation, which you kind of understand because, you know, there's sensitivity about drug pricing as well as insurances, Medicare, Medicaid. So there's a lot of restrictions and regulations what pharmaceutical companies can't do. We've all seen those commercials um, on TV where the safeties are like, You know, three (laughs) minutes of the video and the drug advertising is maybe 10 seconds. Well, that's because it's regulated. So a lot of people don't know that. It's not that the companies are just dying to do that. It's all about regulations and what you can and can't do. And you have to balance safety out. So I said all that to say this. So a lot of the approach we have in marketing to pharmaceuticals may look different. Um, we have to play by different rules and regulations and in other industries, let's say it's such as oil or uh, commodities or e- retail, you know, you can do other things like that, but really the essence of marketing is as you have two different people you're going after, you're going after the prescriber, which is the physician, or if your drug, let's say your drugs like Benadryl and it's over Mm -hmm. the counter, they call it and they can buy it from Walmart or Sam's or Costco, then you would be focusing on the patient. So there's patient marketing, and then there's doctor marketing. And so it depends on what your drug does and what it's indicated for. Now, I'm just in the doctor marketing side, where my whole message is to get the awareness of the brand, disease state awareness. So I'm trying to target physicians in different levels where they may not realize this treatment option exists. And so we need to find regulatory and compliant safety Standards and measures to make sure to apply this marketing approach to physicians while we're within the guidelines. If that makes sense whatsoever.
0: It, no, it does. Now, now when we're talking regulatory, so we're talking FDA, uh, that primarily the the core, you know, regulatory uh, re- regulatory body that that actually uh, you know has to to do with all the marketing and what you can, what you can do. And the reason I'm asking, because, you know, in in our world, in the insurance world, uh, and especially government programs, we, CMS is our, you know, regulatory body. So I'm not sure if there's any touch between CMS, you know, even in the pharma, there might be. Um, there is there there's is.
1: actually um, different agencies for everything you can think of so EMCMS is usually involved with the Medicaid payer side of it or the Medicare so yeah there's different regulatory bodies there's the stark law where there's um, anti physician right. kickback statutes and all this so there's many lo- rules and regulations and laws that are put place there to protect the consumer and so those are in place so we have certain guidelines that we can do within that pharmaceuticals and and then you have to work towards that guideline so how do i get the awareness out about my product promote it you know put it in the right place where physicians can see it and so that's the strategic role that i'm kind of assigned behind of how to do that and stay compliant
0: excellent excellent well it's important <laughs> it's a big it's a big industry and, and to your point i mean uh, it does impact you know the health uh, i mean prescri- prescriptions can be uh you know Good for you, but if taken the wrong way with the wrong mix of medication, whatever, I mean, there's also education that takes place, you know, with the providers and whoever is prescribing. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's not easy. And I, I, I like I told you earlier, I almost made it into Merck, <laughs> but, but not quite, uh, you know, but it is what it is. But it was a good experience, at least going through the, uh, the recruiting process and the interview process. And I think uh, uh, staying within the topic today, uh, when I experienced that, it was not easy. Uh, you know, uh, more may, may, many people, and you'll tell us more about this. They they think, okay, I'm going to just apply for a job with pharma, and it's going to be an easy breezy. Now, it it wasn't, and it was a lot of stages that I had to go through. You know, from a just a seminar to many things. Uh, but but I know you'll tell us more about how that process goes, and also different paths within the pharma, and maybe even paths in other career paths in other careers types.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Happy to talk about any of it. You know, I, I think you touched on one thing, too, as well as, you know, there's so many different pathways you can take out in pharmaceuticals. And a lot of people automatically think the sales route or they think, um, nope. you know, Automatically, a couple of different things, but really, um, we do even internship programs where we bring in a summer intern. And now, those are pretty competitive. So, you know, we can talk about that process and what it looks like. But every sure. company sometimes has interns where they bring in a college student. And that is really the key because you get to learn. I wish I could have done that thinking, you know, if I look back on it, because A, it gets you exposure to the company. You get to meet all these different people in different. Uh, Uh, roles and responsibilities. And then second of all, it helps you uh, create these relationships that your network, and that's how you form your LinkedIn and your network's your key to getting jobs. So um, these internships could be valuable to some of your audiences that would may want to consider that route that are in college.
0: And so, so for, for folks to, to get involved in internships, I mean, is that something published in pharma sites and career, you know, uh, uh, websites, or are uh, they uh, potentially promote it at colleges? Uh, how's that? Yeah, the big thing
1: that I'm seeing right now the industry is going towards is LinkedIn. Um, we are hiring the majority of our applicants through that software. Now they have a purchase program where you can funnel out leads, but all your recruiters and pharma- pharmaceuticals are typically recruiters for each genre of the business. So there's a usually a pharmaceutical sales recruiter, or a pharmaceutical uh, VP recruiter. You know the top end people that they try to go after. So everything's really being done on LinkedIn right now. So that's why it's so important. Important to have your LinkedIn profiles updated, um, spell check, all that good jazz, and to where you can stand out among your competition.
0: So, so to that effect, what would you recommend to be a, a good LinkedIn profile to get some attention? I mean, yeah, what what, what is what does make an actual five stars LinkedIn profile?
1: Yeah. Visit mine. No, I'm kidding. So (laughs) (laughs) we will. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, you know, you look at a LinkedIn profile. Um, First of all, you have to have a professional photo. I see people making these mistakes all the time. They'll do a selfie in their car, you know, really a professional photo. You you really like to have a professional headshot is what I call it. Then you want to put down what your what your title is and not just sales, you know, like mine, for example, is speaker it's strategic marketing, it's brand innovation, it's what you've done, what your core skills, and you put that on there and it attracts more people. And LinkedIn has an algorithm. But a lot of people don't know this. The words that you put on your profile will actually link to job descriptions and they can do that. So the more you put about your job description, what you did, how, what you accomplished at a company, what some of your skills are, your your GPA, all this kind of stuff, if you have this on your LinkedIn profile, it's going to co- it's going to match with other jobs that are on the LinkedIn recruiting platform. So that's why it's so key to fill these out in complete detail. Make sure to put your volunteer experience, any courses that you've had, make sure you have your degree on there. I was talking to a career coach the other day, said she was working with a client that just had a master's degree on there. And she said, well, where's your bachelor's? Did you not get your bachelor's degree? He's like, well, I didn't put it on there. You know, well, why not? You know so make sure your your profile is completely you want to make it sure almost as impeccable as a resume to be quite honest with you
0: well to that, to, the, to that point i mean i know a lot of uh uh jobs when you apply for them they can literally they use your linkedin profile as the actual introductory resume and they they, they download the data automatically from your profile so to your point if it's not accurate you know you wind up rewriting the stuff when you go to that you know particular site for that application. I, I personally had to do that once. And I, I found it interesting that I had to literally click on my LinkedIn. And I was like, wait a minute, this is not enough information. So I was putting more data. Eventually I got my profile clean <laughs> and, and I think it's, it's up to par now, but, but certainly that, that helped you know, the, the, the case. But, but yeah, detail is important. And uh, recruiters are looking for something specific, right? They're not yeah. gonna waste a lot of time, you know, digging in within. They wanna see that first two things that will impress you and boom. And they can, they pretty much select who the candidates will be.
1: The average hire in North America looks at a resume, six seconds, guys, six seconds, the average hire manager. So you don't get a lot of exposure. And so you have to make sure everything's impeccable. Everything's up to date, have everything checked thoroughly. I always, anytime I make a, a document like this, I'm going to have five or six people look at it. And so, you know, that's where I've been able to grow my LinkedIn network where I can have, I'm friends with five or six career coaches going to say, hey, take a look at what these changes are. And a lot of times uh, people are willing to do that to help you guys out.
0: Excellent. Great advice. Great advice. Now, uh, so LinkedIn is the platform and it's definitely a good networking you know platform as well. Obviously, besides recruiting, to your point, I mean, having friends on LinkedIn can help. Uh, I've, I've actually, again, an experience that I got, you know, quite a few leads for, for jobs that I actually landed through, you know, friends in LinkedIn and uh, it worked out. Uh, so it's important. And uh, I think I, I had the show that we discussed a little bit about LinkedIn marketing. Um, that was like probably in March. But, but, uh, but so next, next, next question that I think a lot of folks would, would want to know about. So career in Pharma, right? And we talked about internships as, as, a, as a good entry point. At least get in your feet wet type of thing, you know, and get into feel, you know, the different departments, the different functions, and in a lot of industries, it's very similar. There are internships available uh, through, you know, uh, the, the the either the HR departments or some specific departments that do that. I've I've done that in the sales, you know, uh, units myself, where we had created internships, uh, summer programs, and all year long programs. But then, for somebody that is now graduated, ready, looking for a career path uh, you know, what are the recommendations and you know what are the different you know major entry points at a pharma you know in the pharma industry?
1: A lot of people won't like this answer at first, but customer service actually is a great way to start out. Um, and the reason I say that is because it gets you into the door right right away. And so customer service representatives are typically you know paid on the different lower end of the totem pole. So, you know, there's typically more jobs out there. Nobody really wants to do them right out of college because they want that big money job, right? But sometimes you have to take it slow. And that's what I encourage students. I know it's hard to do because I was right there too. Sometimes it's good to get your foot in the door. Take your one or two years experience, you would in an entry-level job. I think customer service is really a secret gateway into pharmaceuticals because guess what it does? Like we talked about. You're, you're in that building during normal times, not right now. You're in that building. You can network with so many different people. You can learn about their jobs. Hey, what does the warehouse manager do? Hey, what does regulatory do? What does compliance do? What does marketing do? And then you start to learn about all these positions. You excel in your customer service role. Guess what? You can start applying for internal roles. And who hears about internal roles first? people that work at the company. So that's really your back gate to do. Now, as far as different careers there are in pharmaceuticals, obviously pharmaceutical sales is the biggest one there's marketing, but there's different types of marketing. There's um, they have bigger companies, obviously have more marketers. So they're them HCP marketers, which means healthcare provider marketers, digital, which they're responsible for like websites. So if you're more analytical, there's that type of marketing. There's, um, Field-based marketing, those are people that are more out in the field that travel and tend to go to speaker programs or do those type things. Um, there is uh, regulatory. So if you're, you're a legal person and you want to go to law school, there's actually legal and regulatory things. Paralegals get hired by pharmaceutical companies. Um, you think about it from the research side. There's people that love to work in a lab. They're scientific. Let's say you graduate with a biology degree and you want to work in a lab. Why not work in a pharmaceutical lab? Some company that's got a grant or initiative that's working on some things. Work on that, and you can really. So there's multiple, multiple career angles that you can really go into pharmaceuticals.
0: And so, what would be the ideal backgrounds for for candidates to to really land a good, you know, opportunity at a pharma? I mean, is it biology? Is it chemistry? Is it you know uh, physics? I mean, again, it could be any of the above. Uh, or to your point, it could be uh, uh, low and or, or business. But, but what would be like the one because the first thing that comes to mind pharmaceutical drugs, that means I need to be like either a chemist or, or, or a biologist, you know, again, is that even, you know, a fact?
1: Not really. You know, when you think about the research side, and if you want to be obviously have, you know, some type of medical research, then obviously, you know, that person, that candidate's probably going to have the passion for biology or chemistry or that or biochemistry. And they're going to go more into those research, medical science liaison roles. And that's typically um, where they talk to physicians about Studies or stuff like that. So you'll have that one sector, but most of the times, my colleagues in pharmaceuticals have degrees in everything you can think of. So they have bachelor's in history degrees, communications. Um, you know, if you're really, really interested in pharmaceuticals and you want to have a career, I would say just get your plane. Uh, for your degree in business, and then choose a function that best lines with your strengths. So you know how we talked about if you're a little bit more analytical, that might be accounting, you might my roommate in college, that was the first class me and him did together. After one hour, I said, I can't do this. <laughs> and so he loved it. And so he ended up, he's a CPA now. And so that's what I'm saying. A lot of the times, if, if you don't, if you know you want to go the pharmaceutical route of business and picking that function that aligns best with your personality and your strengths will, will benefit you a lot.
0: So I, I know that there are minimum requirements for folks to join the pharma. Uh, at least in the sales world, I know, because you have to have a bachelor's degree. There's nobody that gets in unless you have at least that minimum requirement. Some other career paths, you might not even require a degree. You read some sort of state license. Is there a state license that's required first? And uh, if not, I mean, what would be the, uh, you know, the minimum requirement for someone to actually pursue the career?
1: Great question. So you do have to have a four-year degree. Um, that is the bare minimum requirement. It really doesn't matter what you major in as long as you could kind of explain it. You know, you don't want to show up to the interview and be like, well, you know, it took me eight years to do four years of history and I don't really know what I want to do with it. I mean, you want to have a rationale of what your career pathway is, but really any degree. Um, And then typically you don't have to have what you call a license per se. And there's only one place I can think of that you have to have that. And that's Washington, D.C., so if you live in that area, you do have to be licensed. That's the only area in the United States that I know of that um, that requires that. Otherwise, usually that's done by the company. The company will make sure that you do that when they hire you. Um, as far as, you know, work experience, that's a big elephant in the room. A lot of people ask, well, you know, I don't have any experience, you know. I really recommend people, and again, they don't like to hear this, but this is what I did, is you take one to two years, you go into a role where you sell something to business to business, and business to business means like a copy machine. So I go into Office Max. I'm selling coffee machines or something like that. Where you go to a Home Depot and you're selling hot tubs, something where there's a tangible product you can track your sales. And if you perform well in that career, you can really write your resume to really any company you want to. And then, bear you know, you can get in without experience, but it's very very difficult. So why not? While you're waiting to get in, go ahead and gather your experience at a different company. And guess what, Hurricane? I found some people that do this and they end up loving what they're selling and they end up staying and moving up at that company. So it is a really great way. Um, I would say, you know, one to two years, get your feet wet into sales and then start pursuing a, a role in pharmaceuticals.
0: So, so sales, I mean, is, is typically a more, a wider, you know, access point to pharma in addition to basic, as you said, like customer service type of, uh, you know, roles um now what is you know again people will say well okay i'm gonna go to my college i gotta spend a lot of money going to college uh you know what's the return on investment here i mean plus i have to work a couple of years to get some experience to even be uh, you know uh acceptable as a candidate right but now what is that going to turn into in terms of dollars and cents a lot of people go to college uh, or get better degrees or, or or better trim degrees to get a better career path that makes ultimately a bigger you know buck so so what is that that you know entry level point you know in the pharma and sales or otherwise that that people can see like listen if you're starting the career here this is your potential earning from year one to to the next few years and what kind of growth opportunities would you have there?
1: Yeah, I can be real candid with that. So, you know, when you when you come out of college, you know, you're a broke college student. So any kind of money's great because you're finally working full time. And then you get out and then I actually started in sales and I made twenty four thousand dollars a year.
0: Hold on, hold on. You know, it's funny. That's exactly what I was making when I started <laughs> in sales. Now I'm talking about an interesting coincidence.
1: But go ahead. Yeah, so you know that was my base pay, and then I made commissions on top of that. But it depended on how much I sold, and you know the, there was a ceiling. So the the most I could make was thirty thousand dollars. And so you know there is ceilings certain jobs. Now it's kind of changed. You know the game has changed where a college student can get out, get a thirty 000, forty thousand dollar base salary, and if you sell a lot, the potential is. I mean, some of these kids, what they're making, it really surprises me. I'll give you an example. I talked to Matthew the other day. He was selling um, restaurant equipment to restaurants. And so, you know, he had a catalog and everything like that. And his base pay was around $20,000, $25,000, but his commissions were exceeding $80,000, $90,000, $100,000 a year. So, you know, you're talking about 90 plus 100 plus your base pay you know that's about 125 as a first year college student now is everybody going to make that no obviously not and yeah. so i think your reasonable range is when you get out there to expect you know that 40 50 dollars range in your business business salary salary uh career but really the sky's the limit because the more you sell guess what the more you make and what's your goal Your goal is, is to be a good salesperson to get you into pharmaceuticals. So that's what I'm saying. A lot of people go out there, they'll perform really well at a company. They'll be like, well, I'm not leaving here. And this is a product I like to sell. Plus I'm passionate. Why in the heck would I leave? And so that's why I really encourage people to get their entry-level sales job first.
0: Well, I mean, sales also gets you a little bit more of exposure and and direct contact with consumers. And uh, it, it makes you a little harder, you know, like in terms of your skills. I mean, you've you, you, you seen it all. I mean, you're the, the first uh, line of defense. You're out there in, in, in the actual elements, exposed to everything. It's never easy, as people may think. But, you know, you can learn a, quite a bit and, and certainly uh, excel eventually. That depends. Some people just remain salespeople. They don't want to do anything else. Some people see career paths and advance to the next level. Uh, and I know in, in, in pharma, for example, uh, the, the, the criteria of managing, and lead in you know some some teams and also their their hierarchy is very different from a lot of companies. I mean, a manager maybe in a pharma company yes, is equal to a VP maybe some other industry. You know, so again, is that is that a myth or is that a reality? But that's what I was told. Um,
1: Yeah, I think, you know, um, that's a good, that's a good point, because I meet um, a lot of my colleagues, they've been in sales for 30 years, and they couldn't think of doing a different career than pharmaceutical sales. And they love their jobs and other people, you know, they want to do something different, or they have different career aspirations, or they've always wanted to lead people. Mm-hmm. And so typically you're right. If you want to be a regional sales manager or district sales manager in a pharmaceutical company, you're going to have, you're going to be a rep first. Um, nobody's just going to usually come in from a different industry. You've got to have that, like you said your nose to the grind, you actually experience it, you know it, and then you start developing your leadership skills, you, you know, you sell, you, you have good sales numbers, obviously, and your performance is there. You can move up pretty quickly in pharmaceutical sales. And, you know, I've met a lot of regional sales managers, district sales managers that have even moved higher in the sales realm, or they went into a different role. So there's a lot of different possibilities out there. So,
0: so that's pharma. You know, and and specifically sales and entry points. Uh, now, your book. Let's talk about the book because because it, it's an interesting spin on the book, and there is a a, a story behind it. So so let's talk about that. Don't be a zombie. <laughs> That's the name of the book, right?
1: Yes. All right. It
0: is. What, what was the inspiration behind the book, and uh, you know, ultimately, what is the book about?
1: Yeah. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I was invited to this great privilege to give a TED Talk at the Oracle Center in Redwood City, California. And I got to experience what it was like to be on stage. And I really prepared a long time for this because I'm passionate about helping people. And my whole passion is, is I really want people to find work they love. And I've met so many people over the years that don't like their jobs. And statistics measure up with that. About 70% of people actually don't like their jobs. And I found that statistically shockingly sad. And so I gave a TED Talk about how to find this purpose and this passion. And what I mean by that is take your unique strengths, your abilities, your talents, you take those, you find them, you put that into a career, and then you go and, and do it and you enjoy it. And so I started out the whole talk was don't be a zombie. And I walked out on stage and said, I believe in zombies. And then everybody got quiet and like, wow, this this dude's really weird. And they started laughing. And so that got people's attention and it kind of stuck, you know, and it kind of stuck. And then I explained what I meant by a zombie was, is a work-life zombie where they just get up nine to five. They hate Mondays. Oh God, it's Friday. Thank God. Oh no, it's Monday. And that's the repeat. There's no, career path. There's no, it's okay to hit your job now, but I can't imagine doing that for 40 years of your life and wasting it away. And so the book is all about It's three phased approach. It's number one is why should we find purpose and passion? I talk about how life is short and we go through statistics and we go through perspective. Mm-hmm. Then I take you through what you do. Not a lot of books do this. So I actually tell you what to do. I give you a 25 day plan. And then we go through that. I give you specifics on what you should do, how to handle it, And then at the end, we all wrap it around um, back to what what you can do in your life. And so that's really what the book's about.
0: well, it it is a deep book because a lot of us, you know, to your point, the Monday, oh my God, the same routine. It's just like you know we refer to it the rep race. It's just not happening, you know, my life sucks. You know, I'm not happy, you know. And of course, uh, unfortunately, there, there is a, there's a reason behind that. I mean, uh, there's a saying actually that says, you know, and I think everybody knows this one uh, you never work a day if you do what you like or you, yep. whatever you, you love to do, right? And a lot of us pick maybe the wrong path or something we're not passionate about. And because we just need a paycheck and then we get caught into it and then it's stressful and, you know, you just kind of get in the, the mix of it and the routine. And before you know it, time's flying and then, uh, wow, 20 years went by, what the hell just happened? And, you know, and I've seen this in, in some, you know, in my personal experience, some people, they start in a role and they pretty much had the same role, you know, for, for many years later. Uh, another role with that, I mean, obviously that's their choice and that's okay, uh, you know, but, but, but then when you ask them and you really get involved with the conversation, they might say, well, I, I have no choice or I have no other options and I think that's where people make a mistake. There's always an option. You know, people change careers all the time. People become entrepreneurial. They, they start their own thing. You know, sometimes if you can't figure out a job, maybe find, you know, a, a, a business that you can start yourself or learn something that can be a skill. There's a lot of different variations. So I think the concept behind the book is not only valid, but it's really solid, you know, grounds for somebody to, and, and if you have, as you stated, you have the measures and the metrics to follow, as like this is this is a successful woman right here. Just follow it by, the, by the letter, and you should be able to make it happen. Um, that's important. Now the book is available. I'm assuming, right, for, uh, you know, purchase on Amazon or.
1: Yep, it's don't be a zombie. How to find a career you love. It's on Amazon, and that uh, you can purchase it there. I, I'll comment on something you said because I'm glad you brought it up. You said, you know, that's what I talk about in the book too. In chapter one, I talk about. I want you to crash a, pla- crash a plane in your life. And what I mean by that is I actually got to hear Captain Scully. I don't know if you know the story, but he was a pilot. Um, everybody thought they were going to die. It was a plane that was going about to crash. And pretty much they had said their final prayers. They were crashing. They spent about 20 to 30 minutes in the air. Plane was going down and he was a managed to save all passengers by landing on top of the water in New York. And that day, when people get off the life raft, they don't say, OK, gee, I wish I would have watched more TV or wish I would have spent longer on the couch watching Netflix. They change their life and they realize how life is really short and that we should do something we love. So I encourage people to met a more, you know, figuratively crash a plane in their life.
0: Well, you know, we we can actually relate to another big event that's happened to us more recently, to the whole world. I mean, COVID has been a big, you know, driver of change. And a lot of people have realized, you know, that life is short, you know, we've had people around us, you know, uh, impacted, you know, with the lives and, you know, their family, friends, and a lot of folks, you know, are taking a different spin on things. And like, wait a minute, you know, where did my life go? You know, I, I need to do more. People haven't traveled. Now, like you, now you start really realizing like what all the stuff that we had and we took for granted. You know now it's not anymore so it is important to to make you know to take those little refreshers and resets uh you know uh, some people stay again same job 20 30 years and then they they basically you know uh, retire from the same role now again some jobs do offer that that kind of opportunity and it's steady you retire nicely you get your nice little pension and you're good uh, but it depends on the people's you know i guess background education passion ambition. I mean, we can add a lot to it. I mean, you know, it's not just one single thing that makes it, but, but it's important to, to kind of realize that, Hey, you can even do the exercise. I think, I mean, as a person, you know, we all have different views of things and, and we have to just sit down and say, well, what am I doing to your point? You walk out to the office and you're not happy, right? You're not going to, you're not going to help anyone, not in the office, not your business, not your bosses or not yourself.
1: And then you exactly. come home
0: and take all that frustration in your family
1: <laughs> because right. you're
0: not really as as excited as, as. And then that's that's a very big piece of, of when you choose a path uh, and when you get yourself into uh, a career, uh, as as in general. Now changing careers, how difficult is that? I mean, I mean, we're talking about that concept right now. But how is that difficult? Because that that's really people may think that oh my god, it's yeah, I can't start again.
1: It's completely false. Uh, the problem, I think, with a lot of people is that it's work, you know, and when, when I mean that is it depends on how you're able to adapt to change. If you're a person that doesn't mind change and you like new technology and you like to learn and you like to change this, I don't think it's a problem at all where people that have that weakness like me, I get stubborn and so i think that's what my fault was a lot of the years is like i get complacent and i'm like well i don't want to change you know i'm in this i don't want to do anything different i got this technology i don't like my iphone i never wanted to change from the old phone for years well guess what eventually your phone stops working and so that's a simple example is if you're able to adapt to change and you're able to fix your resume take you know start networking with people from different industries taking a new approach your resume for example me being in pharmaceuticals isn't going to be the same if i wanted to go into it with google it's going to look a little different and so i need to research that on google to make sure hey what are what are people looking for in this industry who could i network with who are some of the key contacts at google or ibm because i want to go work in silicon valley just using this as an example and so I think it's difficult to change careers, but I don't think it's impossible as we make it out the scene. I think it's more of that, oh my God, I've got to learn a new new something else. I've got to change my resume now, update my cover letter, make new contacts. And it just seems like an overwhelming theme, but really it's all about your preparation, your ability to change and your willingness to do the work to
0: do it. You got to get out of the comfort zone. I think that's that's the biggest, you know, problem. We all get comfortable, lazy enough that, you know, status quo. I'm happy, but then again, it's figure of speech. Happy because you, 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 everything says otherwise.
1: <laughs> you know, right.
0: you think that you're happy, but nothing is really showing that you're happy. You're always stressed out. You're always anxious. Uh, you know, not happy at all. You know, taking out, you know, on, on everybody around you. And if you're leading, for example, a team or you're managing people, it gets reflected on how you treat those folks. And right. they're not—they're not, they're not going to be very pleased with you either. Uh, so it affects your performance. It, it's crazy.
1: Now, and there's there's yeah. common sense things too. You know, obviously, let's say I woke up tomorrow and I wanted to be a medical doctor well guess what I can't just go apply at the local hospital and become a doctor you know so there's you need to look at your pathway to get you there so let's say I woke up I hope I would do more research than just waking up but let's just say that you know I I decided I need my passion was to see in patients well I always talk to people well what way could we get you there besides an MD what about a nurse practitioner what about a physician's assistant and so what courses do I need to take what are my core courses I need to talk to a college I need to See how long this is going to take. What's the end goal? What's the investment? Like you said, so you know there's a common sense approach to that too. Obviously, if I wanted to be a CEO of Google, I can't just put my application in. You know, there's got to be a a similar type uh, a career change if that makes any sense whatsoever.
0: No, it does. Now, now you just hit a nice little point there. Some again, I've I've read this and I've seen this where there's a job opportunity and some people apply for jobs that don't belong to them (laughs) or Mm -hmm. they don't qualify for. And, you know, it's funny because you post a position and you get a whole bunch of people, you know, that have nothing to do with that career path and they don't even stand a chance to even get the interview, but they do that. that. That, that, what do you say to that?
1: You know, um, it happens every career that's posted. Um, we, we get them and, and, and it's really a waste of time. Um, you know, 85% of the jobs in North America are filled because somebody has a connection. And so only 15% of the jobs out there are, um, without connections that are on an online server. So I know lots of people I talked to a college student the other day who couldn't find a job. Um, I think his major was architecture. And so, it, the the details are kind of blended together, but basically what he was saying he was spending a year looking for a job, and I said, okay, what do we, you know? I know it's tough out there, but let let us talk. And what he was doing is every day he was applying to seventy five different applications, and this was taking a lot of time. And then you know I didn't believe him. Then he showed me all these, and then you had to write these essays. And I was like, dude, you're not even. You know, yeah, I mean, this isn't going to happen. We have to look at some of the careers that you're interested. In. we got to fine tune your resume. We've got to uh, apply for each job. We've got to make connections. And so to your point is, I, I think it's a waste of time. But I think where it's not a waste of time is for you to use that energy connecting with somebody on LinkedIn and saying, hey, can I pick your brain for 10 minutes? I would love to learn more about what you do. Uh, seems like you're passionate about it would you have any time this week next I, i'm game and a lot of times people that love their jobs will end up talking to you for free and then you can make that connection and meet different people that way
0: well there is an actual tool in linkedin where uh, a lot of people with experience or have you know uh, leadership you know up you know i guess you know backgrounds uh they can be advisors on linkedin and uh you know and you can if anyone that has that, that capability can become an advisor and they become available to people who need advice. And people will come into your inbox and they ask questions about how, how to, what would I need to do to do this and stuff. And that's that's easy. I mean, that's not even like, you know, really building a network. That's just basically looking at the advisors and sending questions and getting the right answers from multiple sources to get you a compiled, you know a, you know, good information that you can use to determine whatever the next path is or next steps are. You know, so, so I mean, tools are available. Uh, it's just a matter of knowing. And, and luckily, we have these platforms to kind of share some of this. Uh, again, some people may say, well, this is something I know. And some others, this may be new news for them. Like, if it's, well, I didn't know that I can do that. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, there, if there's a will, there's a way. And there is plenty of information today. I mean, between podcasts, channels, YouTube, I mean, you can look something up you'll find a solution and be able to do it and uh it's important that you know to to get engaged and uh, you know ask questions you know you don't you don't lose anything by asking a question so they're going to say no you know you'll pick something up it's good enough um, right i mean that's how i look at it um well so so now besides fun, what are other some of the 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 things for the career paths that you've you know helped people and, uh, and and maybe that will be easier you know pets that someone especially from college or somebody that's willing to make a move and change careers mid midway what will be some other functions some other industries that will be easy access or or i guess uh profitable enough you know and and, and, and lucrative enough to make you know a move towards that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's all where your passion lies, you know, and what you're good at. And so a lot of the times I'll shed a light on some of the things like I work with a lot of people, for example, that are, you know, motivated in sales. So if you look at sales, a lot of people that don't know different companies out there, there's a company called um, New Well Rubbermaid and so it's the rubbermaid products that are in your kitchen a lot of the times there's a representatives that call on home depot and lowe's and retail customers i've seen people get into that industry and transition or either even stay in there and they love it it's great company another thing that uh a lot of people don't know there's a payroll services company called ADP. It's the largest in North America. Um, a lot of my friends have worked for them in the past. They're a great company. Uh, many of them debated about staying. Others have moved up in that company. So payroll services is huge in North America. Basically, it's paying everybody's paycheck. And a lot of people don't realize that you have to pay a company. A lot of times they handle payroll, and so you're selling these services to small businesses. And so there's stuff out there like that but you know you can think outside the box too with your careers too by one of the great ways is and I hate to promote my own show on your show but there's a Zach Ballinger show (laughs) there's a Zach Ballinger show and what my show is all about is there's 821 career paths in North America I would venture to say because I didn't until I started doing this that most people don't know 25 30 But my whole vision over this, and I have had about 75 guests so far, is to expose every career path or way there is in North America. So let's say you're interested in a career in architecture or design or fashion. You can click on the link and you can watch a video with a professional. And guess what? Nine times out of 10, that professional, that comes on my show. They say, hey, if any of your audience wants to link in with me, here's my LinkedIn. Well, there's your key contact right there. And so that's what I would tell people is um, tune into the show. You'd be surprised at what kind of careers that you probably are going to be interested right there in that library.
0: So give us the connection for the show. I mean, how do we, you know, uh, promote it to folks right now listening in and watching? Uh, yeah. and also, if you could share that with me so I can put it on the, uh, the actual description of the show.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the, the best way is, is it depends on what social media platform, but you can go to zachballinger.com, Z-A-C-K-B-A-L-L-I-N-G-E-R.com. We're actually working on the website right now. I've got a call after this. Um, We're we're fine tuning that to put that career library right on the website. It's not there yet, but all my social media links are on that website right now. And so guess what? I have Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, any of those, YouTube, they all just connect me. It depends on what people like. Some people, like the Instagram, some people like the Facebook, Um, but I want to encourage everybody to get the LinkedIn. And so they can follow that show right there on any of my social
0: media platforms. Excellent. Zach, thank you very much. I mean, I think that's a great resource and people can actually tap into it. And again, the purpose of this show is to give access to folks, uh, you know, things that they may, you know, potentially use uh, to better themselves and, and their, you know, lifestyles and careers and all that. So uh, I, I want to know the time is, is, is uh, limited and you do have the other call. So uh, I want to thank you for, for accepting the invitation and coming on the show and for sharing valuable information uh, with the audience here. Uh, you know, any last remarks? No, I would just say, you know, if you're out
1: there and you're discouraged, you know, right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, there's the unemployment rates high. A lot of us are not doing jobs that we really want to be doing. But, you know, I'd say it's okay right now to not like your job. It's okay for a moment. But if that's your mindset for 40 years, then we've got a problem. And so what I would say is this pandemic's really taught us a lot about when I talked about this for years, I said, there's no such thing as a stable job. There's no such thing as a stable job. And people would look at me like I had three eyes on my head. Well, what happened was, is this pandemic brought that out. There is no such thing as a stable job. So I would say if you're stuck in that fear and you're that complacent and you're dreading your life every day, it's time to change. And we're meant for so much more. And that's what I would leave on.
0: And those are powerful words and, you know, I will not add anything to them. (laughs) Uh, I appreciate the time. Thanks, Zach.
1: Thank you so much. We appreciate you.
0: And, uh, you know, again, Zach Ballinger and dot com. That's that's where you can get his link and get the information uh, that potentially can help you, you know, uh, I guess, you know, speed up your your career moves and and, and the next, you know, level that you're looking for. Uh, That being said, uh, for our viewers and audience listening and watching today, Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. in. and H here. Um, you're on the iHelp channel and iHelp Radio. And we'll be talking soon at the next show. Have a great night. Bye-bye.